Grace, mercy, and peace to you from from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, The text for our meditation this morning is Revelation 2.10. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. But before I come to that, I just want to say it's such an honor for me to be invited to speak and preach at the 40th anniversary of Crown of Life. So I'd like to thank the congregation to thank Pastor Bars for this uh, gracious invitation. For those of you who don't know me, my name is David Maxwell. And I, uh, as Pastor Bars mentioned, I I went to the seminary in uh, 1991. as a student, and actually for the last 20 years, I've been there uh, teaching at the seminary. And uh, my connection to Crown of Life goes all the way back to the very beginning. Because when the Texas district wanted to start a mission in North San Antonio, they sent Pastor Paul Short to San Antonio with one contact. And that contact was my father. And... uh, They got to work and they gathered together people who wanted to start this mission in North San Antonio. Uh, And and uh, that's how Crown of Life started. The actual organizational meeting for the church happened at my parents' house. Now, I was in eighth grade at the time, and uh, that was the year that I was confirmed. I was actually confirmed at Mount Calvary on Palm Sunday in 1983, but my first communion was at Crown of Life on Monday Thursday later that week. And it was a, uh, a very unique service in a number of ways because we actually had an upper room. Uh, the reason Crown of Life had an upper room was because we were renting a building on Blanco Road that had a third floor, and this communion service took place in the upper room. And it was an experience that really brought alive to me one of the minor stories in the book of Acts, uh, because in Acts 20, uh, Luke tells a story of a, of a young man named Eutychus who was in an upper room by an open window, and St. Paul was preaching on and on, and, and Eutychus fell asleep, and he fell out the window, and he died. And St. Paul raised him to life again. And so here I am at Crown of Life in an upper room, sitting by an open window. And our pastor, who was also named Paul, (laughs) well, well, he was kind of preaching on and on and I was getting a little sleepy. And I thought to myself, I have to be sure not to fall out of this window and die because I'm not sure Pastor Short would be able to raise me to life again. But, I mean, maybe you've had this experience, too, when your mind kind of wanders at church. You know, and you're not thinking about what you're supposed to be thinking about. And it's at times like those you might ask the question, well, what are we really here for? What is it that really makes it worth it to get out of bed on a Sunday morning? And the answer to that question, is it worth it, can be found in the name of this congregation, Crown of Life. This also happens to be my confirmation verse, Revelation 2.10, Be faithful unto death, 
and I will give you a crown of life. But the thing about the verse is that technically the reference is Revelation 2.10b, which means it's the second half of verse 10. And now I've always thought this was a beautiful and inspiring confirmation verse. But one day I got curious and I thought to myself, well, I wonder what it says in the first part of the verse. Okay, so here's what Revelation 2.10 says. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Well, it was a bit of a shock to realize that my confirmation verse envisions that I'm going to be thrown into prison. And it may be a bit of a shock to you to realize that the name of your congregation envisions the possibility that you might be thrown into prison. This is hardly an appropriate theme for an anniversary celebration. But if you just bear with me for a minute and entertain the thought that you can learn something important about what it takes for Christians to endure suffering. What it takes is that you have to have a goal that makes it worth it. Now, in itself, that observation is not uniquely Christian. The uniquely Christian part is what the goal is. But psychologists have long recognized that that the way you endure things is by having a goal that makes it worth it. The Austrian psychologist Viktor Frankl, for example, who was a Holocaust survivor, uh, points out that the difference between the people that survived the concentration camps and the people who gave up is that the people who survived the camps had a goal. Maybe they had a loved one on the outside that they wanted to be reunited with. And that gave them the will to live. It gave them the will to endure whatever it is they had to endure. Now, in our case, we are not currently being called to a sacrifice at that level of being thrown into prison for our faith, like the original readers of Revelation or being thrown into concentration camps or something like that. But the Christian faith does involve a call to sacrifice. And so it's always possible to have in the back of your mind this question. Is it worth it? Just to take a few examples from the New Testament. Jesus says that you can't serve both God and money. Jesus says, if you love your father or mother more than me, then you're not worthy of me. If you try to save your life, then you're going to lose it. And St. John, I believe in Revelation 2, recognizes the possibility that there may come a time when you ask yourself, is it worth it? When you feel that the sacrifice is just too much. And so what do you do in a moment like that? Well, you turn to the name Crown of Life. 
Now, Crown of Life is a very unusual name for a congregation in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. As far as I've been able to tell, when we signed that charter 40 years ago, there was only one other congregation in the Synod by that name. And even today, there are only five. There are two of them in Texas, including us. There's one in Michigan, there's one in Arizona, and there's one in Idaho. Now, by comparison, if you take just those four states, there are 82 Missouri Center churches named Trinity and 66 named St. Paul. Uh, I read once that Trinity is actually the most common name for a church in the Missouri Synod. But when I searched the website for Trinity, the result for the entire Synod, it came back with, there are too many search results. Please refine your search. So I can, so I can tell you that at least in those four states, there's 82 of them. But there's only five crowns of life in the entire Synod. But crown of life is an unusual name in another respect as well. And that is that... These other common names for churches like, well, St. Paul is the name of a person. Trinity is, well, the name of God. But Crown of Life is a name that actually has a particular function in the Bible. And that function is to provide encouragement for people to endure suffering. In fact, it's it's a microcosm of the entire message of the book of Revelation. Well, well, let me just read the verse again, and so you can hear the way that crown of life is supposed to comfort. You do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and for 10 days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Well, that is the message of the entire book of Revelation, which is about how tribulations are going to come more and more and more as the age of this world draws to an end. And John wrote this book to encourage Christians to endure it. So the crown of life is the goal, is the thing that makes it possible to endure suffering. And now Cooper is the newest member of our family who has access to these promises as well. But let's try to understand a little bit in more detail what crown of life entails. The term crown of life comes up at the beginning of the book of Revelation. In a section where uh, there are seven letters to the seven churches of Asia. And in biblical times, Asia was the term for uh, what we now call Turkey. So we're not talking about China, we're talking about Turkey, which includes cities like Ephesus and Thyatira and Smyrna and Laodicea and things like that. Now, uh, in Revelation, and Revelation is sort of famous for using these vivid images, and, uh, and it tends to pile on image after image after image. And in many cases, a lot of these images are sort of conveying the same idea. And so I think what we can do here is to look at some of the other of the seven letters. Crown of life occurs in the letter to the church of Smyrna. But there are other letters that use parallel images. And the two that I'd like to to look at today are tree of life and throne of God. These are used in parallel with crown of life. 
So the idea here is that crown of life is the same as the tree of life, which is the same as the throne of God. Now, the tree of life image shows up in the letter to the church of Ephesus earlier in Revelation 2. And uh, it says, uh, Christ says to the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Now, you recall in the Garden of Eden, there were two trees. There was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and then there was the tree of life. And Adam and Eve ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and therefore they were banished from the garden. And God put an angel guarding the gate with a flaming sword to prevent them from coming back in and to prevent them from eating of the tree of life. Because if they did that, they would live forever. And now we are told that we will eat of the tree of life. Well, what happened to the, the closed gate and the angel with the flaming sword? Well, Christ opened that gate when he wore a different kind of crown and died upon a different kind of tree. And his cross became the tree of life, opening up the way back to the Garden of Eden, the way that we were intended to be, to have life with God forever. But a crown of life implies more than just life. It implies that there's some kind of rule or reign going on. And this, too, finds an echo in the, letters of, in the other letters to the churches of Asia. So, for example... Christ says in the letter to the church of Thyatira, the one who conquers and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And Christ takes it even further in the letter to the church of Laodicea, the one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. So crown of life is also parallel with the throne of God. Well, now wait a minute. In Isaiah, God says, I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory will I not give to another. And so it's surprising enough to see Jesus ascend into heaven and sit down at the right hand of the Father. Although I suppose in that case you could You could make the argument that God is not really giving his glory to another because the son and the father share the same divine nature. But now we hear that we are going to sit with him on the throne of God. And what does that even mean? I mean, does that mean we are going to be in charge of a legion of angels? Have you made plans for what you would do if you had command of a legion of angels? Does it mean that we're going to change the laws of the universe at will? I mean, why do people even need to be ruled over in the new heavens and the new earth anyway? I must confess to you, uh, and, and maybe seminary professors aren't supposed to admit this, but I must confess I'm not exactly sure <laughs> what all is entailed with this notion of reigning with Christ. 
But if you think back to the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve reigned with God there as well because God gave them dominion over the animals. And so just as the crown of life is like the tree of life, it's a return to the original state of life in the Garden of Eden, so also it's a return to the dominion that God gives us, that we will rule with God just like Adam and Eve did. Only it's more than that. Because Adam and Eve never got to eat of the tree of life. But we do. Adam and Eve had dominion over the animals, but they did not get to sit on the throne of God. But we do. When Christ promises, I will give you the crown of life, he is promising that we will live and reign with him forever. So whatever sacrifice you may have to endure, this is worth it. Amen.